0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you and God bless you. The feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given for because that Jesus was not yet glorified amen Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We are, and I, I am, uh, if you're standing, you can be seated. Amen. Um, I, I'm right now in my Bible reading, and I've mentioned this several times, and I would encourage you to, to, if you're not reading on a daily basis, you need to be reading on a daily basis. You don't have to read as much as I do. You can even read more than I do. doesn't matter. Just spend some time reading the Word of God. I typically read about five chapters in the Old Testament and two to three chapters in the New. I was reading two, five in the New, but I've slowed it down a little bit, But uh, so I'm reading about two to three chapters. I'm in Ezekiel and I'm in Acts, so they're they, uh, both fascinating books. And I, I, I've noticed, I've mentioned this before, that when I when I read, every time that I read, I find myself... Finding new things and being fascinated by the things that I come across as I read the Word of God. Um, Jeremiah has always been a difficult book for me because it seemed Jeremiah Lamentations, yet, let, yet the last few times I've read them, they have been fantastic to me. And so many things have opened up for me and them. Ezekiel has always been a, a book that is so filled with imagery. And yet it again, something that is opening up for me, but I'm in Ezekiel, and I've noticed something about the Book of Ezekiel. I'm only about to into Ezekiel, the tenth chapter, I think it is, but I, I got to I noticed a few things and begin to study ahead. There's a couple of rivers that are mentioned in the Book of Ezekiel. There's a river Chebar, Chebar or Chebar, Cheber, uh, I don't know how to say it. But say it however you want to. Ezekiel 1 and 1 says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Now, this is likely one of the rivers that is mentioned in um, in Psalms. 137. If you'll notice, there were several rivers. If Euphrates was one of them, there were several rivers that actually ran through and around Babylon. And then there was a series of canals that ran through the area. And this was probably one of the canals, and he referred to it as a river. And so they would refer to them as rivers. But in Psalms 137 and 1, it says... By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion. Zion, uh, We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So like I said, Chibar Chibar was likely one of the many of the canals that ran through Babylon. But when they talked about the rivers of Babylon, there was a bit of a negative connotation that was there. Because because they said, we sat by the rivers of Babylon. They no longer were sitting by the rivers of Israel. They no longer sat by the river Jordan. They no longer fished in the Sea of Galilee and bathed in the Dead Sea and so on. But they sat by the rivers of Babylon. And Babylon was a great, great city. There were gardens the hanging gardens of Babylon. It was a beautiful place, no doubt. It was the most cosmopolitan city in the world of that time. And yet when they sat there, they said, we cannot sing the songs of Zion. In this place. How can we sing the songs of, of Zion, the songs of the Lord in a in a strange land? And Ezekiel was there in that place of captivity and mourning. He was a captive. He had been brought a few years before. He'd actually been brought a few years before um, before Jerusalem was destroyed and prophesied of the destruction of Jerusalem. When Zedekiah was king there, and he continued to be a captive in Babylon, probably until his death. And God, though, transported him several times uh, back to the land of Israel by the Spirit and uh, showed him the destruction, the ruin, and the eventual redemption and deliverance of Israel. You find there in, I forget what chapter it is, where God brought him to a valley of dry bones. We've talked about that many times and, and so on. So we find that, that there is a one river that he set by at the beginning and then near the end of the 47th chapter, he talks and describes uh, another river. Ezekiel 47 and 1 says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out, from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house, at the south side of the altar. He's talking about the temple. Then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way, without unto the utter gate by the way, and looketh at the eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the east side. And and when the man that had the lion in his hand went forth eastward, he measured out a thousand cubits, brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. And again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, he brought me to the water, the waters were to the loins or to the waist. Afterwards he measured a thousand, it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Now, when we begin to talk about this particular river, we, we know that that much of what Ezekiel did was imagery. It was typology. It was, uh, 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 I'm, there, there's another word that I'm trying to think of, but it it was shadows of things to come as prophetic things. But when we begin to talk about this, it's, it's fascinating because there are a couple of things that, Indicate that that river or river like it were, are, are, we actually find it in heaven because in Revelations, the, uh, uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly. Um, in Revelations, the 22nd chapter said, He showed me a pure river, water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And so they, there's that river. And then, but we look at the location and that's not this river it is a type of that river but it's not this river because this river is in an actual location in the holy land if you look at it you'll see that and and then at, at a point there Ezekiel begins there's a man that comes and shows him the measurements of the temple that will be built now i and here's where it gets a little, uh, you know, maybe confusing, because we don't know when that temple's going to be built. I don't believe it's going to be the, the, the fourth temple. I don't believe it's going to be the, the temple that's going to be built when, uh, when, when uh, the Antichrist comes and all that sort of stuff. I really kind of think it's a millennial temple, to be honest with you. I think it is. The size of that temple <coughs> is massive. If you look at the, the, the size of that temple and the building, all of the apartments in it, all of the things, it's, it, may even, it may not even be on the Temple Mount. I don't know. Or they may have to build up the Temple Mount. It's, it's huge. And then this river that comes out from under the temple, and then you can see that it goes down and ends up in the Dead Sea. That's where this river Ends up, maybe it joins with the Jordan River, and uh, or or comes and, and becomes one, but it ends up in the Dead Sea, and uh, and so and there's several reasons why we see that, it, it, because of things that are named, exactly, especially for instance Ezekiel 47:10, and it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Ineglium, and they shall be in one place to spread forth nets. It's talking about the Dead Sea because it tells before that it goes into the sea and, uh, and the fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. It means from the north shore, these locations are the northeast shore to the southeast end of the Dead Sea. So, This is an actual location where it runs down into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is no longer the Dead Sea. It becomes the Living Sea, and there's as many fish varieties in the Dead Sea as there is uh, in the the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, But however, with all of this, and I'm I'm going to get back to some things, but I believe there's an absolute spiritual aspect of this story and this type of a river, um, in reading it was either today or last night. I don't remember. And I was, I was looking at it, and I noticed that when the man took Ezekiel out into the river, that he walked out a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits is basically eighteen inches. Walked out, or our cubit is basically 18 inches. He walked out a thousand cubits, and the water was up to his ankles. Uh, and then he walked out another thousand cubits, and it was un- up to his knees. And he walked another thousand cubits, it was up to his waist. And then he walked another thousand cubits, and it was a river to swim in. And I got to thinking, that is a big river. Because that's 8,000 cubits if two the middle of it was 4,000. That means 12,000 feet. That means two, almost two and a half miles wide. And I thought, wow, you know, even the mighty Mississippi, there's a few places. There's one place where it kind of turns into a lake where it's about 11 miles wide, and that doesn't really count. It's a shipping channel, lake thing, a bajig. It's 11 miles wide there. But even the mighty Mississippi, which is... How many of you have crossed the Mississippi? You have. Yeah, you've crossed the Mississippi. Yeah, you, there's a few of y'all crossed the Mississippi. The Mississippi River is a mile wide, except the last time we went through it, it was a trickle compared to what it used to be. It's probably a quarter mile because it had it had dried up some. But but the Mississippi's huge. And you drive across bridges that are long, it's probably a mile, it might be a couple miles wide, I don't know. It's a massive, massive uh, river, and you have big ships and trawlers and, and things that go up and down that, up and down that river, and, uh, but this river is going to be two and a half miles wide. I got to thinking about that, I thought, a, a river running two and a half miles wide, in that area... It's going to be something else. And then I, I, I got, and you know, just, just, just stay with me in my imagination, if you will. I got to thinking, what if we're not talking about a big flowing river, we're talking about a delta or an estuary? Has anybody ever seen an estuary? An estuary is where... The water goes in. It's also like a delta, but usually the delta is the place the closest. But the estuary is where the water is coming into the sea. And, and as a river or creek flows into an estuary, it spreads out. And it can be miles wide. In fact, deltas can be many miles wide. If you go to the Sacramento Delta, it has it's so wide that it has... 11 islands and some of them are 15, 20 miles wide themselves. And there's thousands of miles of of channels between them. The thing is massive. It's one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. My wife and I spent a, a day with a pastor on a boat going up and down the channels of the Sacramento Delta years ago. But but the estuary spreads out, and when you start going into the estuary, it's shallow, and you keep on and you keep on, and you might walk a mile out there, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and and then you get in the channel, and it's somewhere to swim. In. And I thought, what if what if it's talking about um, something like that? And I know I, I have no idea, but what if it is? And and that 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 it's it's like an estuary and the the fascinating thing about an estuary or a delta is one that is healthy is one of the most dynamic ecosystems in the world every kind of fish every kind of animal every kind of bird every kind of amphibian every kind of everything plants are growing there trees are growing there they they and and when one and they're always wanting to protect the estuaries because it's such a rich place that is there. And uh, and I thought, what if it's like that? And looking at the area, I'm just talking. Comes if you look, I looked at a satellite map. But there's a huge, wide area before you get into the salt sea or the Dead Sea. And and what we see here is a river that begins to flow, and and it begins to flow down that valley the jordan valley and it gets to the head of the of the lake there or of the sea and and it begins to flow into that very very brackish sea and and if we if we look at that we we look at a a, a something that is bringing life into that place, Ezekiel said this. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea. Which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whithersoever soever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything that liveth. With the, uh, whither the river cometh. What it's saying is, you have this huge thousand square miles, 600 to 1,000 square miles sea there that is all salt. Uh, Sister uh, Colleen, you've been to the Dead Sea, haven't you? It's dead. It is dead. And the ground around it is dead. Everything is dead around the Dead Sea. The salt content of the Dead Sea is so high that nothing can live in it. There's a few little bacteria that will come to life occasionally when fresh water comes in, but nothing lives in the Dead Sea. There are no fish, there are no shrimp, there's nothing that lives there. It's so salty you can go out there and just float because it's so buoyant. And and the ground around it is just salt flats, Nothing grows around that unless you plant it specifically and bring the soil in. Why? Because it is what it is called, the Dead Sea. But the Bible talks about a time when water will be come down. It will come down there. It will come down so much water that as it spreads into the mouth or into the head of that sea, that it will spread out miles wide of fresh water pouring into that sea. The reason the Dead Sea is dead is it has no outlet and no real good inlet. It has water coming in from the Jordan River, but there's no outlet and it just is dead. Most of the water now is beginning to get smaller and smaller because most of the Jordan River water has been sucked out And uh, it's being used for agriculture, which is what happens everywhere. It's being used for agriculture. And less water is going into the Dead Sea. And it's shrunk from about 1,000 square miles uh, to about 600 square miles. It's getting saltier and saltier and deader and deader and deader. And and it's like the the world today that needs a revival. It's getting deader and deader and deader. And the Bible says uh, that someday uh, in that Dead Sea, uh, that out from beneath the, the altar will issue a great flow of water. It'll rush down the Jordan Valley. It'll spread out and everywhere it moves, it heals things. I love the picture of that. You look up some pictures of the Dead Sea. People like to go there because it's weird and it's cool and it's, it's hot and you can go bathe in it and, and it's salty and all that kind of stuff. But if you had to live off the Dead Sea, you would die. Think of this. All of a sudden, this water begins to flow into it. Massive amounts of clean, pure, sweet water flows down that valley. Spreads out into the, 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 the dead valley before that. Spreads out in that covers and washes the salt and the brackish things away. And 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 life begins to spring up. That that water is not just water, it's living water. It's funny. I was walking out on the desert today, and I, I was walking and praying as a walk, just spending a little time walking there, and 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 we're a little behind Phoenix. It's very, very, very green over by Phoenix right now. But we're behind Phoenix because we still freeze at night. It's been down in the high 20s. And so things aren't growing quite as green quite as fast. But as I walk over that desert and it's out east of town, that, that ground everywhere, green stuff is starting to come up. And before long, if the water continues to come, we'll have poppies everywhere. Living water. Living water beginning to make this into a living desert. And so so I, I see that and I think about what I believe that that God is trying to give us here. Not not only is it an actual river, which I, I, I tend to believe that all of this is 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 literal and somewhere in the future, but also believe that it is a type of the Spirit of God flowing out from the throne of God and out from the altar of God and moving, the Bible said, he will pour out his Spirit upon all flesh uh, is what the Scripture tells us, Uh, amen. And Jesus said, uh, he that believeth on me as a Scripture has spoken, as it said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this water will come and begin to pour its way through that. And what the Holy Ghost does uh, is it turns uh, the dead into the living. Amen. Amen. It will turn the dead into the living. In Ezekiel it says, and by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side, on that side shall grow all trees for meat or for fruit, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. It comes out from the throne of God. It comes out from the altar. It flows down through the midst uh, of a dead valley. It begins to make everything grow, and everything turn green. It hits the sea uh, and turns it from a dead sea into a living sea. And so what happens uh, is when the power of God begins to flow, Uh, amen, when the power of God begins to flow, it changes uh, from dead into living. And I believe that there needs to be something that happens inside of us that, that we get a desire. And this is something that I see many times in the church and in people there's a there's a tendency toward carnality and there's a tendency toward apathy and there's a tendency toward just getting along to get along going along to get along uh, there's a there's the the willingness uh, to just wade out to where it's uh, where it's, uh, ankle deep and and maybe maybe up to the up to the waist if if at the very best but what needs to happen is that we need to get out there in the midst because in the middle of the stream is where the water is pure and the water is cold and the water is cleansing there's a joke i heard years ago i think this sometimes the way people operate spiritually a fella old redneck went to his wife came and said honey i I want to take a milk bath. He said, a milk bath? She said, yes, that's what all the rich people do. They take milk baths, and I want to take a milk bath. He says, I don't know anything about milk baths. She said, just go get me some milk so I can take a milk bath. So he goes in and he goes to the clerk at the store. He says, you know, fella," he said, my wife wants to take a milk bath. He said, so I need to get some milk so she can take a milk bath. He goes, you want pasteurized? He says, no, just up to hip. She can splash it the rest of the way. <laughs> some of us kind of went, oh, we'll just get up here. We'll splash it the rest of the way in the river. Amen. Hope you all got that. If you didn't get it, you can come to me later on. <laughs> Amen. Waiting in the shadows don't do it. Splashing it up doesn't do it either. Hey, man, I noticed here that, uh, I noticed that the scripture says in this one place, and and there there is, there's, there's a lot of diversity in an estuary, and there really is. If you go into an estuary, you'll find that there's the shallow areas, there's the more brackish areas. I don't know if anybody's ever been to an estuary, but I've been to some on the coast of California, several of them at different times in my life. And, uh, and usually I've noticed something about the estuaries. They are, they're, 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 kind, of, they're kind of restricted because they don't want you tromping around there messing up the fragile environment. <clears throat> but there, there's a lot of diversity there. The fish swim into the shallow parts, the swim in the deeper parts, they, and all of that. But, but the, where the sweet water is and in the midst of it, and the Bible says this, and I'm not going to go a lot longer, but the Bible says this, Ezekiel 47, 11, it says, <clears throat> But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. And, and here's, here's something that I, I, I've told this before, but uh, I used to do a lot of duck hunting on the river. And what we would do is we would go down to certain areas where there was an old oxbow type area on the river and they would divert water out into the canals and they would run water back into the river when they were done with it or sometimes they just run it back in and and so it was river water coming back into the river and the beavers were smart, they would go and find those oxbows uh, and they would dam them up where the where the 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 recharge water was coming back into the river. They would dam them up, and build at times absolutely beautiful beaver dams and pools. We found one one time that was that was probably a quarter of a mile long, full of water. And in fact, my buddy and a friend of his took a my canoe through there. I wasn't able to go that day. I went one night, and they gigged 25 bullfrogs in this one. In this one beaver dam, and 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 then we had another one that was a beautiful. We we would come down the river on our canoes. We'd go hunting, and uh, we would stop. We'd walk back to what we called Midway Marsh, and it was a great marsh. it was there for several years, and we would we would go in there, and um, and and hunt ducks. And we got a bright idea. We went in one day, and we built a duck blind. I mean a duck blind with rooms and chairs and door. You get up in it and boom. I mean, this thing was a, was quite the duck blind. And the, the, the marsh was alive but we noticed it was getting low and we thought well it's because of summer. Well, actually because of summer it should have got higher because that's when the recharge came back in. What it was was they had re- diverted the water. And the marsh died because it was no longer connected to the river. When you're no longer connected to the river, you die. It said the, the miry places and marshes will not be healed because they're not connected to the river. And, and uh, in fact, it's funny because right in that spot grew up a, a forest of cottonwood trees that are probably 50 feet tall today. And somewhere in the midst of that almost impenetrable forest of cottonwood trees, there is probably the remains of a duck blind that we built that we never one time shot a gun out of. Because the marsh died. Amen. Now here, here's something that happens a lot of times in people's lives. They, they get water at high point. They're connected to the river at high times. They're connected to the river when there's a little diversion of water. But they're not close enough to the main stream to stay in the flow. And so it said the miry places and the marshes shall not be healed. Why? Because they've lost connection with the river. I'll tell y'all something right now. There ought to be something inside of us that every time we walk into church, and you cannot just do it at church, and this is what's so important here, and this is the point I'm getting at in the whole thing. You cannot just do it in church. There has got to be a consecration that happens on a daily basis, Somewhere there's got to be a consecration that happens uh, because you'll dry up uh, if you just catch it on Sundays uh, or catch it when the special speaker's here. Sometimes the only time I see people worship is when there's a special speaker. here. Oh, <laughs> You're my replace in a salty place. You're going to die like that. Yes, you got to get a hold of the channel. Amen. Hey, man. It's rough whenever you don't have water to get out there here. And I, me and my nephew Jake went cruising down the river a few years ago on a canoe. And the water was too shallow. We drugged that stupid canoe half the way. Caught some fish, but we drugged that canoe. Most of the time, I let Jake drag, drag the canoe. He was younger and stronger. We decided we weren't going canoeing down that river anymore because there wasn't enough water. Sometimes we're just dragging because there's not enough. But when the flow is there, you find, and that was a trick. We were trying to get that boat to go where the flow was. We get caught up on the rocks and the sandbars and all of that. You find the flow.
1: You get in the flow. You stay in the flow. That means we worship. We're in
0: church. We're praying. We're seeking God. How many lives have I seen that have become dust bowls? Just dust bowls. Sooner or later, they drift away because there's no life in them. Oh, let's stand and worship the Lord right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. God, you are worthy to be praised.
1: (laughs) Come on, let's love the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to walk in the Spirit, oh God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord. I worship you, Lord. God, let your spirit flow. God, let your power flow. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. 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 It's astonishing what living water will do in a life. If you've ever seen the playa over here by Wilcox, there's these little things we call tadpole shrimp. And when it rains and water pulls up, they they come out. They come out of the ground by the millions. And the sandhill cranes and the ducks and the geese flock in there to eat them. And for a short period of time, there is life. And he dries up, but it's amazing what water will do to the desert, to a playa, to a life that is bound by sin, to a very carnal individual. When the Spirit of God begins to flow in that life, it helps us in our carnality. It begins to wash carnality out. Carnality is a killer. If you're more interested in the things of the world than you are of God, you're carnal. Amen. A lot of things I enjoy. I like a lot of stuff. but I better not let it supplant the spirit and the presence of God. Amen. Word of God in my life. Get into the Word. Pray. There's an old Sunday school song that said, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Amen. 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 Don't let the sour acrid water of the world get in you. Don't let the poisonous stuff get in your life. It'll tear you up. Amen. Oh, God is good. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Thank you, Jesus.